1: For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and member FDIC.
0: For the cheese heads who want it fresh and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral, this is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Packs What She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And we finally, it feels like we haven't had many of these, are recording on a victory Monday after the Packers beat the Bears at Soldier Field 28-19 to to become the winningest franchise in NFL history with their 787th win, breaking the tie with the Bears. So I think all around, Perry, just a really good Sunday.
0: Yeah, good Sunday. We love a win against the rival, even if they're an inferior opponent. And, yeah, it's very much a milestone for the franchise. I think this is the first time in the modern era that they've taken the lead in wins, right, over the
1: Bears. So thanks
0: to Favre and Rodgers for that nice run.
1: Yeah, it it is kind of crazy to think about, like, how far behind the Packers were in the series before – Rogers and Favre came to and just you know blew it out of the water and I think it's it's one of those things too that not to read like too much into the tea leaves but you could tell Rogers is always like extra appreciative I guess after games like this now because he doesn't know what his future holds so he made you know some comments about if this is the last time he's playing at Soldier Field like it's nice to go out with this kind of win so let's talk about the win because it was not the prettiest game. but a win is a win and the Packers are now at five and eight and they don't really control their own destiny at this point, as far as the playoffs, but they did win and winning feels good.
0: It does. Um, I know that there are some fans out there who, you know, maybe don't want them to win the rest of the season draft, et cetera. But I think for a competitive team that has a winning mentality, like these games really matter. And um, you don't really want to lose to your division rival, no matter what the, context around the game is um, for the season. So I don't think I really learned too much about this team in this game. Like if you're looking for anything, maybe the only major takeaway I would have from this win is Christian Watson seems like he is the real deal for a week straight now of multiple touchdown passes, clutch plays, just absolutely changing the offense. But um, that's really it. The Packers looked like the Packers. They had the same, you know, mistakes that they've had, this whole season, but luckily enough, they just played a a worse team and ended up eking out a win.
1: Yeah. I thought it was interesting too. Larry McCarron after the game was talking to Matt LaFleur about like, you know, did this feel like a more complete victory that you've seen from your team? You had special teams, like a blocked field goal. We haven't seen that really this year. Keyshawn Nixon continues to be impressive. Um, You had the defense, you know, forcing turnovers. I think it was one of like the, if not the first, one of the first times all season, the Packers were, positive in turnover differential instead of negative the offense you know put up 28 points which typically wins you football games so you know just the idea that this team is starting to play complete football in all three phases and I know you know they asked Aaron Rodgers about it too, the hypotheticals and like you can't you know project too much about what the offense could have been or should have been but it is nice to see some complete football even if it feels like it's not going to save the season at this point.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, It's interesting you point out the turnover battle because it's true. And if you look at the stats, I'm pretty sure the Bears had more total yards. They had more passing yards. They had less punts. Like There there were stats that the Bears did better than the Packers did in this game. Obviously, they were leading for pretty much the entire game until the fourth quarter. But when it comes to the turnover battle and the Packers capitalized on some, not all, of the their ability to take the ball away. Like, that's what ends up winning
1: games. Yeah. So, I mean, I know we, there's not a lot to say about wins like this, right? <laughs> We're not talking about like a playoff picture at this point. The Packers aren't really in control of anything. There's a lot of football that still needs to happen for the Packers to even be considered in playoff contention but was there anybody i guess that like shout out to you you mentioned christian watson already i know we gave out game balls last week as far as like you know players that we were really excited about or that deserved it is there anybody that like you know you you really feel like deserved a shout out for their performance on sunday
0: i want to talk about christian watson more please do (laughs) do.
1: (laughs) i am just so
0: unbelievably impressed with him and i know that it was talked about in the post game pressers but like you can literally see from the beginning half of the season to the second half of the season just the absolute like 180 and granted he was hurt right so you think about like if this is him healthy he's just gonna keep adding things to his repertoire, but even when he was healthy and he was playing, they were really only using using him on motion and like jet sweeps. He had his first touchdown actually on a rushing touchdown on end around. And we were kind of sitting here thinking like, okay, let, let Christian run some routes. Like, can we see him run some routes? And then you get him pretty much just on go balls and you're like, okay, we get it. He's a deep threat. Like, that's great. He's got the speed. He's got the size, but now you're seeing him, really be able to do more than both of those things, right? He's actually like running a little bit more of a complex route tree. He's using the middle of the field. Rogers is using him to attack the middle of the field. He obviously is also a phenomenal deep threat, but he's just like a lot more um, of a like nuanced wide receiver now. And it's really exciting to see because he's only a rookie and I think he's only gonna get better and there's things to clean up, but he's like been such a willing and phenomenal blocker as well, which is something that is really important in Matt LaFleur offense. So he's very, very quickly in pretty much like five weeks, um, developed into a pretty nice, well-rounded wide receiver. And he's only a rookie. And I just think you look at some of the stats that he's put up and the comps of the only other players in the history of the NFL who have been able to do the things that he's doing. And I know it's still a very short sample size, but you can't ignore that the only other players who have put up what the numbers that he is are guys like OBJ. And Randy Moss and some of the Packers greats like Sterling Sharp and James Lofton. And like those names are hard to ignore when you're looking at the success he's had as a rookie. So if you're looking at one thing to take away from this Packers season is that I think they hit on their receiver.
1: Yeah, and shockingly, of course, it was a second-round wide receiver because the Packers (laughs) have no success with second-round wide receivers. Um, But yeah, Zach Jacobson put this on Twitter, and I'm glad you brought up some of those comps already, the Randy Moss, the OBJ, um, Johnny Blood McNally, and then Don Hudson and Christian Watson are the only three players in the Packers franchise history to ever record at least seven receiving touchdowns and multiple rushing touchdowns in the same season. So thinking about, like, you know, I know it's hard to compare, you know, different eras, but Christian Watson being in the same breath statistically as like Don Hudson is really special for this franchise, especially when you think about, you know, the success of like, you mentioned Sterling Sharp, you've got Devonta Adams, you've got some really historic receivers for the Packers that haven't been able to do the impressive things that he's done, you know, as far as his rookie season. So, and I think we talked too at the beginning of the season, right about The Packers, like, they're probably not going to have a Jamar Chase or a Justin Jefferson. And it's not to compare Christian Watson to those guys at this point. But I think, you know, this emergence is maybe more than any of us were expecting. We kind of were like, you know, Rodgers typically acclimates kind of slowly to new receivers. He's going to have to lean on his rookies. But will he? Will the trust develop? And now Christian Watson is like the guy, you know, like it felt like there were some shots that Rogers was taking that even though they didn't connect, he was looking to Watson. Like that was his first read, his second read wanting to get him the ball. And I think that says a lot about not only Watson, but the growth that Rodgers has had too, and the understanding that to make this offense function, you're going to need to lean on these young guys.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, Watson is, is truly always open. And I think it was very stark in this game where I thought Lazard had a really nice game, but for the most part, nobody else could really get open. This game was, Christian Watson and Lazard and A.J. Dillon. And we can talk about A.J. Dillon because I'm sure you want to as well. He had probably his best game of the season so far. But to me, you know, Christian Watson really is, like you said, he's the guy and he's being targeted even regardless of if he makes mistakes. And I've been thinking about this over the course of this season because I think it's the same with Romeo Dobbs and I can't wait for him to come back as well and see them on the field together for basically the first time. But I think it says a lot that Rogers continued to go to them throughout this season, regardless of the drops, because there have been receivers in the past who make those mistakes. And Rogers basically is like, no. And so in my mind, if he, he must see potential there, if he continues to target them, like he sees the talent and it's really hard not to see the talent, right? Like I think of all the receivers taken high in this draft, Christian Watson is the freakest athlete of them all. Um, But to me, it gave me confidence waiting for Christian to kind of get there that Rodgers kept going to him because if 12 is going to continue to give you opportunities, it means he knows you're going to step up at some point. Now, did we think it would be like this? No, but I'm excited that it's like this. And um, I'm glad, you know, he potentially could be a reason that Rodgers like decides to come back next season.
1: I'm really glad you just said that because that's what I wanted to talk about is Rodgers in his postgame presser was they were asking him, like, does the emergence of a guy like Christian Watson change kind of the trajectory of maybe where you see your career heading? Like, you know, had you not gotten on the same page with these rookies? Is it, you know, you talk about you don't want to be part of a rebuild. What does your next season look like for you? And I thought his answer was, you know, really pertinent because he he said, like, you know, you can't look back. And he left Cal. Even though he could have played with Marshawn Lynch, he could have played with Deshaun Jackson, and he played with Marshawn Lynch one season, obviously. But, you know, he's like, you can't look backwards. And his career turned out really promising, obviously, winning a Super Bowl and having the success, the success that he's had in Green Bay. But it does make you stop and think like it would be really fun if he's on the kind of trajectory that he is, Christian Watson, to be able to play with him and help him put up you know, some of those stats and those numbers, knowing the promise that he's had because we are seeing it now on the field instead of the hypothetical, well, we think he can be great. He for the last four weeks has been actually great. And I think that's really exciting too. And, you know, you mentioned Dobbs. I can't wait for them to hopefully after the bye, Dobbs is able to come back and the two of them can be on the field at the same time against the Rams
0: because they're both going to open up opportunities for each other mm-hmm. because if they're the two guys that are able to like make plays. And I think this is something that the Packers really lacked this season was playmakers. And both of them are that guy. And I think they both can obviously, you know, catch a, a go route if you will from Rogers and, and, score a touchdown on a dime but they can also do a lot of really fun things with the ball in space and that's just not something the Packers have had in a really long time and you think about the touchdown that Jordan Love threw to Christian Watson right it was a easy route and Christian Watson is just a really phenomenal athlete with a lot of kind of like spatial awareness and was able to use his speed and take it to the end zone and The quarterback, no matter who it is, didn't really need to do anything because he was able to get yards after the catch and, you know, do what playmakers do, which is score points. And I think Romeo Dobbs has some of that in him too. So the idea that now kind of defenses are going to have to respect what Christian Watson can do, they have to now, after what the last like six weeks have been, Romeo Dobbs is going to come back, and I think they're just going to be able to kind of play off each other. And I think it should be really exciting.
1: And I I think what makes it so fun too is we talked – you know, because we have to look ahead a little bit when we're talking about a team that is potentially on the outside looking income playoff time. A lot of your focus tends to shift, even, you know, not on purpose towards the future. And we talked a lot about what the wide receiving core looks like. And Alan Nazard might be gone, or Randall Cobb could be gone, and Sammy Watkins yeah. could be gone. And your receiving core could be Romeo Dobbs and Qu- Christian Watson. so the beginning of the season, we're like, hey, we want to see these guys take some reps, start to get acclimated. Whoever the quarterback is, there's going to be a learning curve there. Now we're at the point, you know, going into the end of the season where it's like these guys have really started to put some really good stuff on tape and it's exciting to think about, obviously, you know, you'd miss guys like Randall Cobb just because of their personalities and who they are in their relationship to Rodgers, But we could be talking about a receiving core that is led by Watson and Dobbs next year. And I think that's kind of crazy to think about and comprehend that this receiving core could kind of funnel around two second year players who have a season's worth of snaps less than with injuries at the professional level.
0: Yeah, it's honestly not that crazy to me thinking about it though, based on what I've seen from the two of them in their rookie season. And I'm very much kind of of the mindset, like rookie year maybe is a little bit of a red shirt. You never know what you're going to get, like give them time. But if you're already coming on as much as both of them have, even with both of them battling injuries this season, then I think it's a really bright future. So it's exciting that year two, could be that kind of like next level. And I mean, you look at the stats and they don't really jump off the page per se. And I know Romeo has been hurt, but like Christian Watson is the second most leading receiver in yards right behind Alan Lazard. I actually can't believe Alan Lazard has 620 yards on the season. Um, That number kind of blows my mind, but you know, he's right behind there at 401 and seven touchdowns because he just makes the most of his opportunities. Romeo Dobbs, is here at 314. So I'd be curious to see where they end up at the end of the season, but yeah, this is going to be your one two going forward. And I think regardless of who's at quarterback, it's they're going to be really successful.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think what's so exciting about this group too is the fact that you've got a guy like Samori Touré as well who hasn't really had any opportunities yet or that many, I should say, on offense and he's waiting in the wings to be like in your wide receiving room. So there is a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball, regardless of who's throwing the ball. And we can talk about, you know, the Goody presser if we want to, and how, of course, you know, the Packers front office has said they would like Aaron Rodgers to come back. Not really newsworthy there. We kind of expected that. Is there anybody on the defensive side of the ball that you would give a game ball to, as far as their performance, or are you still just kind of shaking your head at the defense as a whole?
0: Oh, I was not prepared for this question, (laughs) to be honest. Um, you tell me. Okay.
1: I to me, I mean, I guess I, I would only say Keyshawn Nixon would be that guy for me. Yeah, that
0: was gonna be that was what came into my head.
1: And and a lot of it is because of the shout-out that he got from Aaron Rodgers, just saying, like, you know, he's one of those guys that you feel lucky to be in a locker room with. And he, you know, Rogers had even said, like, there's been a lot of times throughout his career, not even just this season, but when there's a special teams play that you kind of hold your breath and on kickoffs, he would normally be thinking in his head, like, don't take the ball out. Don't take the ball out. Don't take the ball out. But with Keyshawn Nixon, he's like, take the ball out. Like, let's see what happens yeah. because this is the first time in a while that he's felt really good about it. And then for him to have, you know, the interception that he had against the bears to kind of help put the game away. Um, it's just, it's, you know, I don't want to call it like the Russell Douglas trajectory because Douglas arguably has not had as good a season obviously as he did last year but it's nice for the Packers to find guys like this and it makes you wonder kind of what the future of the secondary looks like I've seen a lot of hypotheticals you know from pundits and analysts that like maybe Rasul Douglas becomes a safety long term and maybe Keyshawn Nixon is your your new nickel corner because he's just played really well there and it's kind of hard to think about taking him off the field at this point considering how good he's looked in that limited role that he's had
0: Yeah, Um, I think it just, him and, and Rudy Ford have just been the perfect example of how good this team is at scouting either undrafted or released talent, if you will, just looking at other people's rosters and saying, I think we can do something with these guys. And Nixon as a returner is, I'll be... Slightly heart palpitating, (laughs) but at the same time, really exciting and electric. And we just haven't had that in a while. And he clearly has good hands. So I'm starting to trust him. It's not you, Nixon. It's me. I have trust issues, but (laughs) he's proving that, you know, he can handle himself and the dual role that he's been able to kind of carve out for himself is to be honest, for a guy who was literally on someone's practice squad is very, very impressive.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, it's the defense looks different when Devondre Campbell's out there, he led the team in tackles. So it's a lot of, I mean, it it feels like too little too late. Obviously we, I don't want to keep talking about the playoff picture and what that looks like, because I know the Packers are still in their minds, you know, until they're officially eliminated playoffs are the goal. Obviously they're the goal for every team until you're eliminated, but it is nice to see, you know, Jair having his interception after getting burnt by EQ on a play. Like it's nice to see the guys bounce back and respond the way that you would want the players that you've paid significant amounts of money to to bounce back? Yeah.
0: I mean, the second game ball I would like to give, I, all my game balls are on offense. Um, there, I have three of them. Christian gets the first. Um, A.J. Dillon gets the second because it was just really nice to see him step up into that kind of running back one role. And I think the last couple of seasons we've, we've felt like, and he's proven that he – can be that guy. I think for a long time we've said it's like a 1A, 1B type running back punch. And AJ hasn't been himself this season. And it's just felt like it's just been one of those years. Um, But you get him in that role and you get him kind of rolling. He had 18 carries. And I think he's the kind of back we've talked about this so many times on the show. But he's the kind of back who needs that repetition. He needs to be in the game and just keep going and going and going and get to third and fourth quarter and start to – you know, take advantage of defense's weaknesses when they're tired. And again, he's not running into a very good front, right? This isn't the Eagles or the Bucks or, but, you know, it is the Bears. So there's that caveat, but I thought he did a really nice job um, with the opportunities he was given and with the blocking he was given, which is my third game ball, which has to go to the rookie left tackle because, you didn't hear his number called. They still like were able to attack the left side of the line and the left side of the field. Rodgers did not get sacked once. He had a couple scrambles, but it didn't really look like he was under duress. And I think that is so incredibly impressive for a rookie to step in pretty much last minute and, and take over there at the like second most important position in the game. And it showed because they were able to get big, you know, explosive plays and A.J. Dillon was able to run the ball really well.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. I'm glad you pointed that out because that, that completely slipped my mind. But and poor David Bakhtiari, right? He just comes back from an I injury know. and then he just his appendix decides it doesn't want to be in his body anymore. So just, you know, <laughs> poor guy there. But I think my my other game ball would also go on offense, and it would be to Adam Stenovich, actually, because Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers were kind of talking about him in their postgame pressers, and that Christian Watson jet sweep was his idea. He basically had said, like, hey, they're in man coverage. I think this play will work. And I loved the story that Rodgers told about going to the sideline and asking Matt LaFleur, like, do we want to score here? And LaFleur being like, "Well, yeah, duh, like, of, co- of course we want to score. What are you talking about? And Rodgers just having to be like, yeah, Watson, you can score. <laughs> like, if you're open, don't worry about it. Just Just go score. So I thought that was cool, like, that Adam Stenevich got some kudos for that because I feel like we haven't heard much from him this season. And, you know, we hear, obviously, the the pressers once a week from the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, special teams coordinator, but it's nice to hear how involved he is in the play calling and the recognition of, hey, I think this could work. And obviously it was a touchdown play, so I'll give him a game ball for that.
0: I think I – I think he deserves that. And I agree with you. You don't really hear much from him and it, it's it been such a rough season offensively that it's been hard not to question the coaching and staffing changes so far this year. And we don't really get the inner workings of what happens on the sidelines. So good to know, you know, what the communication is like and the coordination between the two of them coaches and and Aaron Rodgers too.
1: Yeah. And I think it's funny because at the, you know, we're, we're giving Adam Senevich this praise and then in the back of our heads, we're probably still like, and whatever with Joe Barry, <laughs> <laughs> at least, at least that's yeah. how I, feel. I hate to, I've never come on here and called for anybody's job and I don't want to do that, but it is an interesting dynamic to hear, like the offense is finally putting everything together and we're starting to see some really impressive success coming out of them. They're putting up more points than they have all season. Like it feels like they're really hitting their stride now that their pieces are back. Um, And the offense is kind of firing on all cylinders. And then you have the defense with all of the talent in the world on paper. And each week we just are running into the same issues with scrambling quarterbacks and not being able to tackle and, you know, not defend against the run. And it's just, it's an anomaly.
0: It really is.
1: I, um, I just keep thinking about like how much this
0: defense misses Rashawn Gary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I just think it's been like very night and day because when Rashawn was in, you got splash plays, you got stops, you got pressure on the quarterback. Like I, you literally look at the loss in Detroit and beforehand, at least this defense had like moments of being somewhat dominant and shut down, even if there were inopportune moments where they gave up, yards or points and now without him there's there's none of that it's just leaky swiss cheese and i think it it's shown me at least like a little bit of a glaring hole that probably is going to be and needs to be addressed in the draft In there isn't really a dominant pass rusher besides rashawn gary on this team like preston hasn't been the same kenny had a really nice game but he's not like it's Rashawn Gary in a big wide space, and pretty much everyone else, and they're going to need to fill that rotation. Although I will say JJ Enaguare has been, you know, a nice high point for for him for his rookie season, um, but they're going to need to fill in there this off season, I think. Yeah, because we been- said it before this season, right? If you lose Rashawn Gary, like this is you can't go anywhere with this front, and they can't really get pressure.
1: Yeah, and I mean. Packers fans, we don't want to talk about the draft, but they're going to be so irritated if the Packers take an edge rusher in the first round again. But it's one of those things that it just feels like every single year. Not it's me. A- <laughs> no, I agree. It's just one of those things every year that it feels like the Packers could do because it's a premier position. We know that Brian Gutekunst emphasizes that position in the draft, and it's it's a position of need, and I'm glad you pointed it out with Preston Smith because I don't want to, you know, rag on him, but he hasn't looked the same and I think it's not to discredit him, but a lot of his opportunities came because all of the the double teaming was going towards Rashawn Gary. And now there's nobody to really take the heat. So guys like Kenny Clark are getting the double teams again. Preston Smith is getting the double teams again. And, you know, I agree with you that, that JJ has had a, a an impressive rookie season for what it's worth, but nobody can jump in and fill those shoes of Rashawn Gary, unless like the Packers brought in somebody like Miles Garrett, you know, like, it's just, it's not, I don't think there's anybody on the roster that can have the same kind of impact that Rashawn Geary could have.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, he's, he was, and I think is still in the conversation as like one of the elite edge rushers in the league. He, he was averaging a sack a game. He was being talked about as potentially like defensive player of the year. Um, he was just completely and utterly dominant. And I hate Ford Field for taking him from us this season.
1: I agree. I, do, I don't I do want to throw this at you, but I'm just curious as the, the certified DB stan, <laughs> how you feel about the makeup of the secondary and how they've played without Eric Stokes. And obviously now that Darnell Savage is not in the picture for at least a couple more weeks.
0: Well, I'm fine without Darnell Savage in the picture, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> um, I think that they will be just fine without him. Um, so my thing about the secondary is that it's really hard... There's a lot of layers to it right now, right? Like, I like Rasul better on the boundary. I think it's where he's most comfortable, although he hasn't really been playing that great. But at the same time, when you allow him to kind of be a little bit more aggressive and use his instincts and kind of attack things closer to the line of scrimmage, he can sniff things out really nicely. I think... For just looking at the cornerbacks right now I think a lot of what it is in my mind is scheme Mm -hmm. and I and I really believe that like even after with Jair kind of getting burnt a little bit in this game I I just think when you allow them to press a little bit and be aggressive and kind of use their speed and their football IQ like they're a lot more shut down than when they're being asked to play zone and I know that the Game plan for zone was because of the kind of player that Justin Fields is. I get it. Like they have to adjust at some point to because that's just where quarterbacks are going in the NFL. But I just don't think that there are corners are necessarily being used to their skill set. And I feel that way too about Eric Stokes. He's really fast and he's good with his hands. He had trouble like ball tracking his rookie season, but he was kind of on an upper trajectory until he, all he was asked to do was play zone coverage the safeties to me is a talent thing. So it's, it's this opposite now where I just kind of feel like, unfortunately our, you know, foundational guy and Adrian Amos just isn't the same anymore. It's really hard to watch him miss tackles and just kind of make like odd mistakes that he's never made before. Um, And there's really no one else behind him that I think is a real starter. Again, like that's no hate to Rudy Ford, but Again, like he's not he was not meant to be a starter. He was meant to be a rotational piece in like a dime or a nickel package. So I just think the safety position has like a lack of talent in it right now. And that makes it really hard because your secondary is a cohesive unit that has to communicate properly together. And they aren't really doing that right now. And regardless of how good your corners are, or if even if Adrian Amos is having a good game, You get one guy who has any kind of blown assignment and it negates everything else that everyone does on the back end. So there's just a lot of layers to the issues right now. It's coaching, it's scheme, it's talent deficiency. So they're going to have to find a way to just retool the room this offseason.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And I think, you know, you could even take it a step further and talk about like the inside linebackers. There's just something this season where it feels like there's Missed communication as far as like whether it's you know the scheme and the plays getting called by you know whoever's the mic in those moments whether it was Campbell or Walker like that's a lot to put on a rookie inside linebacker granted a first round pick but still like it just feels like there's there's been a lot of communication breakdowns where guys aren't on the same page this season. And then, you know, going back to the lack of fundamentals as far as missed tackles, you know, the Packers were like, I think, honestly, the best tackling team as far as statistically in the NFL last season. Devonder Campbell missed like three tackles the entirety of the 2021 season. So it's just been really weird to see the guys underperform after having the kind of season that they did last year. And, you know, the talent has to still be there in some capacity. The knowledge of how to effectively tackle has to be there. It's just you know, it's not translating. So really interested to see what they do with that entire, you know, side of the ball, I guess, this off season and what those draft picks look like. But this is not the show to talk about that, I guess. Um, We'll have plenty of time. We will. We also have a bye week coming up. So, you know, maybe there's a look ahead there. But did you have any thoughts? I know we kind of talked about a pre-show about the Brian Gutekunst press or anything really stand out to you at this point, or is it? you know, kind of regurgitating the, the 1265 Lombardi line that we uh, expected.
0: Yeah, he's a politician, very party line. <laughs> um, I think the only two things that I'd point out is we mentioned, you know, Rogers kind of saying if it's mutual, I can't believe that's already starting again. Rogers is coming back next season unless he retires. There's literally two options here. Um, and I think it's clear from Goot and Lafleur and Rogers that all three, like, would like him to come back. Um, the only thing I took out of the Goop presser that I actually did find quite interesting was that he says they kind of already have a decision made about Jordan, which I think implies that he, they're going to pick up his fifth year option. Um, but it was the way he said it, right? He said like, we've already seen enough to know what we want to do and how we want to make this decision with Jordan. But of course we'd love to have him have more playing time. So nice to hear some confidence from the GM about their backup quarterback, about his splash first round pick in 2020 and um, how they feel about him and I think the it makes me feel like what we saw in his performance against the Eagles may be you know who he is and what he can build off of which is exciting because he looked very good.
1: Yeah I agree with you and regardless of what happens nothing we have to worry about now you know hopefully if Jordan Love takes over he will also have some minority ownership of the Bears at some point in his career but Really fun, of course, to see the Packers beat the Bears at Soldier Field. Um, A win is a win, especially in the NFC North. You know, the Packers obviously lost to the Vikings and the Lions this year already. So nice to see Lafleur continue his sweep of Chicago going 8-0 and, uh, you know, not having lost to the Bears his entire tenure as the Packers head coach. So any final thoughts before we wrap this thing up and look ahead to the bye week and then the Rams coming in a couple weeks? No, I just think
0: that this team <laughs> needs this rest very, very much. Yeah. And I'm glad that they finally, finally are, are getting a week off because it's been a long stretch pre buy.
1: Yeah. Rogers sounded pretty confident that, you know, having this bye week, you know, maybe the rib and the thumb will both be behind him for that kind of final stretch. Like we said, after the buy, the Packers have the Rams coming to Lambeau Field, a Matt Staffordless Rams team, but we'll talk about that in a couple weeks so that is all the time that we have for this episode of packs what she said thank you as always for listening to the show you can find perry on twitter at perry underscore goldstein you can find me on twitter at maggie J. Loney. You can find the podcast on twitter at pwss podcast or on instagram twitch and youtube at packs what she said remember to download the show rate it subscribe um give it some love you can find us on odyssey and everywhere else that you listen to your favorite podcast so as always go pack go Go Pack Go!